Welcome back to Coffee and Cannabis. It's the show where I interview professionals, researchers, and thought leaders in the cannabis space to help bring you deeper insight into who these individuals are and how they're shaping the cannabis industry. In the episode, I'm interviewing Tanner Stewart. Tanner is an activist, environmentalist, and entrepreneur who used his success to fund the documentary, The Need to Grow, which outlined agriculture innovation and the shortage of farmable soil. He is now the CEO of cannabis licensed producer Stewart Farms, who are making strides in sustainable packaging and environmentally conscious growing. This episode was such a pleasure to record. I think you guys are in for a real treat. Uh, Tanner and I talk a little bit about his background as an entrepreneur, how he returned to New Brunswick to launch an environmentally conscious cannabis company. We also go deep into the supply chain and uncover why sustainability is so expensive. We also talk a little bit about their sustainably packaged bath bombs and how we can all be a little bit more mindful of our waste. And just to make a formal introduction, Tanner Stewart, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so pleased to have you on. Um, you, you're, you're a part of a lot of um, movements and a lot of topics that I'm, I'm really passionate about. Um, but to give the listeners a little bit of context, um, tell me a little bit more about your background, how you got involved in cannabis and, and kind of the sustainability um, space to begin with. Yeah, uh, well, I got involved in cannabis like a lot of Canadians, it was very early on in life, uh, in my uh, experimental years as a young, as a right. young man. Uh, I think I started smoking cannabis about six months before I started drinking, actually. Mm. Um, and, uh, and you know, one of those uh, turned out to add uh, uh, quite a bit of robustness to my life, mm. and the other one was a major detractor. So I'll mm. leave it to your audience to uh, guess which was which. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for uh, about 16 years now, I mm -hmm. guess. Uh, I left New Brunswick when I was in my, uh, well, I was going, I think I was 20, going on 21 maybe. Um, I was a tree planter here in New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, uh, you know, the, my, my evolution and my journey into sustainability started actually way before cannabis. Wow. It was mm -hmm. it was as early as kindergarten, and you know I was part of the I was part of the mm -hmm. reduce, reuse, recycle right, right. kind of campaign era, and mm -hmm. uh, and we were, and I don't think it's much different today, except mm -hmm. today kids are getting educated, I guess, about climate change. But so right. our our environmental movement was that, and my mother. Uh, is an avid environmentalist and loves animals mm -hmm. um and has her whole life and uh, that and, and nature and that really was embodied in me from a young age uh but you know I, we had a we we started a group i think it was in grade one or two or something mm -hmm. or maybe it was three or four i can't remember but it was called the earth savers group mm -hmm. you know they, these you know it was me and my friend danica daly and uh you know the point of the Earth Savers, uh, which is very on the nose name for for <laughs> for, for for an environmental group. Mm. Um, you know, we went around schoolyards and picked up garbage. Mm. And, and anyways, it was just kind of funny because I, I I actually ended up even working at a recycling depot, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, and that was that was like well, that was my first real paid job yeah. outside of wow. babysitting and lawn mowing. Yeah. Uh, so I was on the front lines of recycling bottles and steel and mm. uh, and. Uh, you know, actually, it's kind of funny. I tell people, uh, you know, it's it's much better to uh, 
be a garbage man than work mm-hmm. at a recycling depot as, as far as you know if and i'm not queasy about things but if you are queasy sure. that's what i tell them mm-hmm. because you know when you're when you're a garbage man you pick somebody's garbage up and you throw it in a truck and you dump it somewhere else right. when you work at a recycle depot you, you open up their garbage and count it and uh, <laughs> and i i have seen some horrible things uh, in sure. my, uh <laughs> oh i'm sure like people like just not rinsing out i've seen people literally just have it's plastic but it's yeah. covered in food and they just throw it on the recycle like that's not doing <laughs> oh, anybody man. any good oh it's it's intense you know diapers uh you know animals you know like all kinds of things and uh, and that's just kind of funny i just i don't talk about that too much um and this is kind of i guess a deep dive into the early days but Mm -hmm. but that that taught me the difference between graded plastics and how plastics Mm -hmm. are sorted and where they Mm -hmm. go and you know we were pressing cardboard and 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 you know that was like uh, and I didn't know how valuable that was going to be to what I do today, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm very anti-plastic right, as right. much as as much as one can be mm-hmm. um, in the cannabis industry, mm-hmm. which is I'm sure we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, from from the, and then I then I ended up a tree planter after that, uh, you know, right, right before I went out west. So so my early days in New Brunswick were very, very <laughs> kind of I guess accidentally or or, or just by fate driven into mm-hmm. you know environmentally kind of driven jobs no kidding. but then i then i got into construction and i still am i mm-hmm. still own a construction company um you know 16 years and running now that's mm-hmm. based in in alberta uh, and that's structural steel fabrication etc mm-hmm. but six years ago uh six set no seven years ago my son just turned seven mm-hmm. uh so it was about six months before he was born that's when all of a sudden the flood of environmental technology came into my life. I had just sold half of my construction company and, mm-hmm. you know, for the first time in my, in my life, I had a windfall uh, of sort of liquidity. And, uh, and you know, as a, as a young entrepreneur who, who accidentally experienced nothing but success in the first part of his business <laughs> career, uh, I couldn't wait to get rid of that money and invest mm-hmm. in, uh, in, 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 I, you know, I got rid of it as fast as I could. Right. Um, so I, I ended up producing a film uh, yeah. with uh, a couple of my now immensely good mm-hmm. friends, Rob Herring and Ryan Wyrick, called The Need to Grow. Mm-hmm. And that is all about soil and Mm -hmm. the importance of soil to the earth that it's really like soil 101 living soil 101 uh mixed in with the stories of three environmental superheroes a uh, a girl scout fighting to get gmos out Mm -hmm. of uh, girl scout cookies a a, a physicist michael smith who has this uh, technology that converts uh biomass waste into a algae-based fertilizer Mm -hmm. and this kind of renegade farmer named eric cutter who uh, runs urban farming in Orange County area, California, and really is just a, just a revolutionary in, in, in urban farming and, and urban farming technologies. So I got involved in that, uh, and, I, and, and really a lot of that was to do with my son coming mm-hmm. into the world. And I also simultaneously invested in a couple agriculture technology companies, but one of which was, was an indoor vertical aquaponics farming company. Mm. And when they showed me the integration of what aquaponics was, so what aquaponics is, the the, the term is a play on the word hydroponics. Right. And and uh, aquaponics is when you and the aqua is aquaculture, mm-hmm. where you land based fish farming and mm-hmm. you mix it together with what's 
traditionally known as you know soilless farming so right. aquaponics is mm. the marriage of land-based fish farming hmm. with basically plant production right and uh i was introduced to that concept and i i just instantly it made complete sense to me it makes I mean, sense mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense Fundam fundamentally you're you've got a fish farm Mm -hmm. and you have a plant farm mm -hmm. and you're using the waste from your fish farm to feed nutrients to your plants it's mm. it's it's what nature is <laughs> and and it's like mimicking mm. it's just mimicking nature the interaction a natural cycle right a, nat a natural cycle so yeah. you know i mean it sounds silly to even say because i believe mm. we're, we're we've reached a like our generation and the next generations mm. we're, we're kind of leaving behind this I think anyways, I think we're going to be leaving behind this disconnect from nature. At least I mm -hmm. hope so. And hopefully we leave it behind quite quickly. Mm. Uh, but it's so obvious, right? All of right. all of our innovations are from nature. All mm -hmm. of them. All of mm -hmm. our medicines are from nature. Mm -hmm. Like everything we do as society, <laughs> right. we're just copying something we've seen mm. or have mm -hmm. saw in the natural world. And we're replicating that, even all the advancements in genetics. I mean, it's it's just we we have no original ideas. I guess is 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 my point here, and and right, we're just right, right. kind of coming to grips with that. Whereas we spent the last seventy eight, the industrial revolution, you know, uh, this last major period of our society. Hmm. It's like we went out of our way to hide that, <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah, how often do you hear about, you know, an opioid company <laughs> right. really, really kind of educating us that, mm -hmm. but, hey, guys, this comes from a plant called the right. poppy seed. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Uh, we extract opium from poppies. It's the same mm -hmm. thing you eat on your bagels. I mean, mm -hmm. I learned that from Seinfeld, right. not from, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not from, you know, the, the drug companies, but mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I'm not sure where the question started, but that's, <laughs> that's where we, okay. we we ended at Seinfeld and uh, and, and Elaine eating too much poppies, poppy seed uh, bagels. <laughs> and, and that's so funny. And that's such a like I, I always hear the people say the argument, you know, about oh well, you know, cannabis isn't a drug; it's just a plant. And I, I always go, well, so are opioids; they're derived from poppy. Like, so it, it's hard to argue. I hate people that say that you know can't like weed isn't a drug it's a plant it's like ev everything is a drug that has an action on your body right of course of course yeah mm -hmm. and you know i mean coffee yeah. which you know coffee and cannabis i mean those are i'm wholly addicted <laughs> look uh, coffee coffee's the you know a lot of people's first and most valued drug right, right. that we get exposed to caffeine it, you know? exactly it's just been accepted right um so you know we we talked a little bit about aquaponics and we talked about vertical growing um so where did that leave into stewart farms and like how did you get the idea to to get involved into cannabis yeah well i mean the journey to stewart farms was framed by a few things mm -hmm. um one of the underlying drivers was that since i became an entrepreneur in alberta mm -hmm. uh, over 16 years ago uh, I was continually looking looking for some sort of business that I could perhaps bring back to mm. New Brunswick, my mm. home province. Uh, I mean, every Canadian is a homebody, or most most are at the <laughs> end of the day, and mm. and we all go away. A lot of us, uh, and there's always a place in your heart for where you're from, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the economic vibrancy in Alberta mm -hmm. and the the energy the entrepreneurial energy in the air 
when I landed there as a young entrepreneur, mm-hmm. well, I was, I, I, well, I, was, I guess I wasn't an entrepreneur yet. When I landed there as a young <laughs> right. budding pipe fitter is, is right, what I got right. into when I landed there. Um, uh, I couldn't believe it. You know, like, like mm-hmm. I was from a small town called Miramichi, New Brunswick, 20,000 people. And the new Tim Hortons was three years old, but it was still the new, it was still the new <laughs> yeah. Tim Hortons. Yeah. And you land in a place like Fort McMurray, Alberta, mm-hmm. and there's cranes everywhere and mm-hmm. trucks everywhere and, and just so much progress and innovation. Mm-hmm. And the entrepreneurial spirit is so strong uh, there. See, Alberta, Alberta is made up of, uh, you know, Canadians and people from all over the world mm-hmm. that needed a job. Right. And, 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 and that's one of the most vibrant economies. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of hardworking people from all over the country there and so much innovation. And, and, you know, if you haven't lost one or two companies in Alberta, you're not trying hard <laughs> enough. Well, well, that's, that's very, uh, different in New mm-hmm. Brunswick historically because, mm-hmm. you know, the whole province is small town, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, uh, it can be a lot harder on a person when they have a loss or a failure mm-hmm. and and you're really you're really uh, uh you feel that you you know so many people your families are mm-hmm. so big and and it's just a different kind of pressure and 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 I and I would say that it's changing now today mm-hmm. um but I just but there's not as much of that uh, congratulatory! Oh, you failed. Try again, right? right uh, it's right. like it's like, oh man, you know, I, I'm not sure if you should have did that, and and then and then and then it didn't work. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, but in Alberta, I mean, I've never experienced that. Um, so I just really wanted to bring some of that, as much of that mm. energy back mm. to this province as possible, mm. and that fail uh, fast mentality. Yeah, fail yeah. fast and keep going, and yeah. and uh, and uh, you know, I think. You know, Atlantic Canadians were known for being such nice people. Mm. Uh, I guess that's sort of part of our reputation across the mm-hmm. country and very welcoming and and whatnot. Well, and, and that's and that's great. But we but we need to um, also have a lot more pride. And mm-hmm. I think we got to be a you know we need to be more aggressive mm-hmm. as a, as a community in the business world and and really get out there. Um, so that was one of the underlying factors of of uh, wanting to come back here, mm. and and then of course when I started my journey in uh, aquaponics farming out in mm. Alberta seven years ago, mm. uh, I really I really went through uh, a trial by fire. We mm. we were farming lettuce, kale, arugula, Swiss chard. I fell in love with leafy greens through mm. aquaponics farming. Mm. Like mm. like you have not tasted arugula until you've tasted arugula grown in aquaponics it's spicy and like yeah. horse horseradishy hmm. uh, i fell in love with lettuce right hmm. uh, as well and i just saw that this was something that could work back hmm. here and the economics are really good here too so when you talk about indoor farming um you know, I needed some more affordable real estate. I mm-hmm. found that here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got a 100,000 square foot facility that's 40 feet tall behind me here. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm only operating 10,000 square feet of it right, right now. And right. I've got 84,000 to expand into. Wow. Um, I'm right on the border. I'm in St. Stephen, New Brunswick, which mm-hmm. is an unbelievably beautiful community. Mm. Um, small town, 5,000 people mm-hmm. in my immediate town, wow, right? Man. I mean, oh, it's great. I mean, Edmonton was a million and I love Edmonton, yeah. uh, but I love this too. Mm-hmm. And 
competitive labor rates, trained workforce, mm -hmm. uh, not as much competition for that workforce, right. uh, especially in a smaller town here, mm -hmm. uh, and really across across the province. So just a whole lot of things made sense, and and so through my journey through the food mm -hmm. realm and uh, you know i sold all over alberta i sold our leafy greens i sold our tilapia we farmed mm -hmm. our you know organic tilapia out there sold it to the asian markets uh and then you know as i, I eventually parted ways with nutroponics but that was a good three four year period mm -hmm. of, of mine mm -hmm. and, and my business partner derek's mm -hmm. uh life um and uh you know in early 2018 I said, you know, as I was smoking a joint on my back porch <laughs> at Christmas time here in Miramichi, New Brunswick, I was home for Christmas and uh, I was so fully, fully dedicated to the food side mm -hmm. of, of indoor farming mm -hmm. and I still am. Mm -hmm. uh, but I said, you know, I looked at the cannabis industry, I said, I've been smoking weed for, you know, 16 years and mm -hmm. eating lettuce for five and... Uh, <laughs> And I just really love cannabis, and I saw the medical opportunity, mm -hmm. the genetics opportunity, mm -hmm. the intellectual property opportunity, and I just, I just understood, and I still understand that that cannabis is the tip of the spear for mm -hmm. agriculture innovation mm -hmm. and medical innovation. Right. So, like, there's nothing like it. You, you can't get that anywhere else mm -hmm. with any mm -hmm. other plant. So, really, the concept then was. Well, I'm going to farm the highest value crop in the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to use that mm -hmm. to advance my agriculture technology ambitions and build a robust company mm -hmm. from, and I'm going to go back to food later, mm -hmm. right? So, so I didn't leave food, mm -hmm. um, but I've taken a detour into a medical plant right. for now, right? Yeah. No, I, I think that's excellent. And, you know, from arugula to cannabis what were some some speed bumps you ran into or some learning curves in in how they're grown well i mean i knew coming into growing cannabis that it's not a leaf a leafy green mm -hmm. or microgreen mm -hmm. crop so so it was actually incredibly advantageous so i mm -hmm. i spent you know derek and i spent three almost four years mm -hmm. uh I, I really trial by fire we were running mm. a 12 story vertical farm mm. that we built mm. from scratch right <laughs> right, right, right <laughs> nobody right. knew what we were doing yeah and you know we did we did like everything wrong you could imagine mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. uh, so what that was was a master class in indoor agriculture it was mm. a master class in hvac mm -hmm. and and you know pest management mm -hmm. and um when you're selling lettuce, you're selling it for three dollars and fifty cents mm -hmm. per half a kg, right. right? If you're if you're lucky, right? right. Um, so so you want to talk about pennies? Mm -hmm. Well, the sticker on your package for your lettuce mm -hmm. might mm -hmm. be, you know, thirty percent of your cost, right? <laughs> you know, you're putting these right. leafy greens in this right, little package. Right. Um, so you know there was really nothing that wasn't insanely valuable to transition mm -hmm. into uh into uh growing cannabis you know mm -hmm. except uh, i i think my greatest challenge was hearing over and over and over again from extremely experienced 
cannabis growers that, that mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and also and maybe just some off the cuff comments at conferences mm-hmm. people kind of telling me you know lettuce isn't cannabis yeah, cannabis yeah. doesn't grow like lettuce and, right. and you know it was, I, I actually got a lot of I was met with a lot of doubt hmm. in, in my early on my earliest entry hmm. into into the cannabis world and it wasn't arrogant doubt it was just those mm-hmm. off the cuff comments right, right they're right, like right. oh yeah this this lettuce farmer yeah, thinks he's yeah, gonna yeah. grow weed now you know it's like the same that, thing that. yeah yeah <laughs> And, and but but I knew that you know mm-hmm. I, I understood that I, you know I, I, yeah. it's a fr- it's a fruiting crop it's right, far different right. different demands mm-hmm. but but what I learned with farming leafy greens um, uh, was, was immense because you're turning a crop every thirty days mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. every thirty days not mm-hmm. every not every three months right so so mm-hmm. you're learning in the microgreen and le- well microgreens are seven to fifteen days right. Mm-hmm. So what 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 we had was, you know, this this, you know, exponential uh, uh, kind of cumulative um, uh, learning experience, crop mm-hmm. over crop over mm-hmm. crop. Why were the leaves turning this color? How can we how mm-hmm. can we control the light? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how's our airflow? All of those things. So mm-hmm. so there's so all of the climate relevance translated direct into what we're doing now and mm. we were using full cycle aquaponics for that wow. entire time I, I i love that and on the topic of sustainability so i know from a growing standpoint that stewart farms is really um trying to stand out now one of the things that really bothers me is when um legalization or, or even back when it was available for medical the packaging was always atrocious it never made sense to me it was these large plastic like thick plastic containers mm-hmm. housing sometimes one gram of cannabis so you know for for you have we made any strides in in sustainable cannabis packaging and what are you guys doing differently yeah so strides are being made by mm-hmm. some companies far too few in my mm-hmm. opinion um, mm-hmm. and what drives that is cost. It's really cost. Mm-hmm. So, right. so sustainability is a big word and mm-hmm. it means a lot of different things to a lot of mm-hmm. different people. Right. And, right. and what is sustainability? I mean, well, well mm-hmm. really when you say that you're instantly talking about supply chain mm-hmm. and we have spent decades and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I'll remove one of those decades. So I guess it's about. <laughs> so I might have said one decade too many, maybe. Uh, right, but right. but you know, call it seventy years. You know, again, sure. it's the industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, we have spent a lot of time going to one use. You know, a, a, a mm-hmm. disposable society, right? But it's in it's within reach of our lifetime, um, and I'm just gonna mm-hmm. I'm just gonna tell a quick story here. My my mm-hmm. my great grandfather, uh, his name was Alfred McLaughlin, and he passed away. He was 93 years old, uh, and that was roughly 10 years ago now. So so I'm I'm really mm-hmm. lucky to have. Been, I was about 25 when my uh, great grandfather passed away, and when I used to help him do things like rip apart an old barn Mm -hmm. or repair something he used to make me take the nails and straighten out the nails Mm -hmm. 
and put them in a jar mm. and it was infuriating <laughs> to me i'm like i'm like right, why right, am right. i doing this and, then, and, and it wasn't an option yeah. i had to straighten the nails yeah. out and put them in a mm. jar and you would go into his barn mm. and he had jars of nails and screws mm. and bolts and you know pe you know pieces of mm -hmm. wood were not to be disposed of either and you know it's simply because they were expensive to make and there was a lot of value mm. in them. Mm -hmm. However, those nails that I saved in those jars did instantly become twice as valuable mm. because they could be reused, right? right? Mm. Because he valued them. Well, he was 93 years old. Mm. You know, he watched the world leave a place of I value things and it's not, mm. and you don't use them something once and throw it out and it and he and he would look at me mm -hmm. like it's not i didn't it's not mm -hmm. him that had the problem right. it was me i was wrong because society had taught me that it's easier to throw it away right. than keep it and so this is what we're dealing with in the cannabis industry this is what the whole mm -hmm. world is dealing with this is what we're dealing with in every mm -hmm. industry um so that leads kind of back to uh, supply chains. Mm -hmm. So the supply chains have been built t for disposable mm -hmm. goods. Mm -hmm. And what our industry and every industry is struggling with right now is that sustainable, more sustainable mm -hmm. or sustainably driven supply chains mm -hmm. are slowly, slowly being built and mm -hmm. they need to be built faster. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you the perfect example mm -hmm. with our company. So we successfully launched as from what I'm aware mm -hmm. of, I, I think one of the few, if not the only package in the cannabis industry, in the Canadian cannabis mm -hmm. industry at least, that leaves no microplastics behind mm -hmm. when it degrades. Excellent. So it's a box mm -hmm. that holds our bath bombs. Um, it's a beautiful box. Mm -hmm. uh, it's made of cardboard. And then the bath bomb is wrapped in, in it is a type of plastic, but it's a plastic that has special chemical mm. in it. Um, it looks like saran wrap, mm. and it degrades into food for microorganisms. Mm. So our, our package is 100% biodegradable mm. and leaves no microplastics behind. And I'm really proud of that. Mm -hmm. But it took us a long time mm. to find it. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's uh, coming out of California, mm. right? Mm. Uh, because there's not enough sustainable supply <laughs> manufacturing right. in Canada. Right, right, right. Because in our industry, we have child-resistant requirements. That mm -hmm. that's the big kicker mm -hmm. in trying to go plastic-free, which is hilarious. Is the child by resistance. The way. It, it it is because it's really much easier to make a child-resistant anything in right. plastic. Right. It's easier to make anything in plastic. Right. Um, so so then somebody might say to me, "Well, hey Tanner, well wait a minute." What about all that trucking? Mm -hmm. Well, how about, well, that's so far away. Right, right, right. Well, well, okay. Well, you know, first off, uh, uh, logistics and trucking and vehicles mm -hmm. is actually the least of our climate change concerns. Mm -hmm. Like, like these trucks mm -hmm. and logistics, mm -hmm. right. like we're in a global economy, man. Trucks are going whether you like it or not. And if they're run off electricity or gas, well, you know, when they run off electricity, mm -hmm. great, right? So they're moving. But, but even in agriculture and food, people talk about food miles. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, it can come from 50 feet down the road mm -hmm. and be 
as detrimental to the environment as anything you can imagine. It's it's food miles is the least of our concerns. It's how was it made? Exactly. Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. What does it leave behind? Mm-hmm. That's why sustainability is so complicated because mm-hmm. it's 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 not and and that and also why greenwashing is so easy, mm-hmm. right? Because when something's very complicated, mm-hmm. it's very easy to be inaccurate and have people believe you mm, right, right. Um, and you know it's it's like the recyclable symbol on plastic bottles mm-hmm. well almost no plastic <laughs> is recyclable right oh like there's like pop bottles yeah. you know pepsi clear bottles and green bottles mm. that's like it man yeah after that nothing no other plastics recyclable like period it's greenwashing mm. they all have the symbol on it mm. though number one two three mm. four five and it's that little recyclable symbol that symbol was designed by plastic companies Wow. <laughs> it was the plastic wow. it was it was the plastic lobby that <sighs> that built the whole recycling industry yeah. was built by plastic companies. It was built by Coca-Cola, <laughs> Pepsi. This is the truth. They built incredible. the recycling industry. Yeah. It's it's it is incredible. The recycling industry is actually the greatest greenwash hmm. Uh, conspiracy. Wow. I don't even want to call them conspiracy. Sure. It's just facts. Yeah. It's, 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 right, it's, right. No. it's the greatest. It's the, it's the greatest greenwash of our of our huh. generation. So, anyways, back. So our box. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea is, I looked at our box mm-hmm. and I said, okay, I'm going to put thousands and thousands and thousands of these out. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we're I think we're going to make forty thousand bath bombs this coming month. Excellent. Right. So that's going to be something like. You know, I'm doing a triple pack, so so that'll reduce some of the uh, uh, overall packaging. Mm-hmm. But let's say that's going to be 25,000 mm-hmm. units of mm-hmm. containers. Well, at least those 25,000 units of containers will leave no microplastic mm-hmm. behind. Mm-hmm. But that cost me, my packaging cost is probably a good two mm-hmm. to four times my competition. Right. That's in plastic and, and that's why they don't do it is because it's more and costly. that's why they don't do it mm. it's more costly logistics are more complicated mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know but i'm doing it knowing that i'm going to bring my cost down later mm. and it's part of my brand right and frankly it's a fantastic looking package i think so too quality i think so too no <laughs> and you know what i think you know in terms of brand awareness and and having people really resonate with your brand i think that's hugely important and i would even argue that it it's it goes far and above the people that are just trying to cut costs by having the plastic packaging i think you would you know kind of get out ahead by doing that but what's the biggest prohibitive factor for people not having these kind of sustainable patching packaging like how far back does that go are they just not doing it because it's more expensive because the people producing these they're you know they they don't have enough demand so it's more expensive like where why why is it like this (laughs) how did we get here (laughs) um it's it's it starts with the commodity Mm. Right. It, it's it's your, so yes. It starts at the very very beginning mm. of the supply chain. So plastic is oil, mm. right? So there you go. Uh, paper mm. is wood. Right. <laughs> you know, cardboard is right. wood. Um, you know, wood is going through the roof right now. Mm. So actually, my cardboard packaging is about to get more expensive. Oh no. <laughs> um, the good news is mm. all commodities are going through the roof. Right. 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 But. But plastic packages move far less, mm-hmm. right? Because because 
you can really crank up the oversupply of petroleum mm -hmm. very quickly. Hmm. You can't do that with wood and fibrous materials. Right. You can't just go, you can't press a button and double your right. barrels of barrels of right, wood. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh. and, and, then, and then you look at tin, mm. right? Because really when you're talking packaging, you're mm. talking about, um, you know, uh, wood mm -hmm. fiber or fiber, mm -hmm. a, fi a type of fibrous something. And you could be wood or hemp or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you're talking a petroleum-based something, mm -hmm. uh, a plastic, uh, or you're talking a glass mm -hmm. or a steel, mm -hmm. an alloy, mm -hmm. right? And when you talk about, so glass, um, it comes from sand, mm -hmm. right? It comes from a very particular mm -hmm. sand of a fine grain. Mm -hmm. We a we actually are in a global sand crisis too. That nobody talks what? about this. It's, it's it, it is so <laughs> under the radar. Uh, but 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 we 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 we're, we have a shortage of sand yeah. because the same sand that people make uh, uh, glass out uh -huh. of is the sand that we make concrete out of. Okay. Wow. So and, and and it's not you can't go to the you can't go to the Sahara Desert. Right. Right. That sand is no sand good. There. Right. Lots of sand, yeah. but that's the wrong sand. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not so wow. so this particular sand that mm -hmm. we use in all of our building materials for windows mm -hmm. and concrete, mm -hmm. uh, we are running out of hmm. right. And actually, that sand is most uh, common. It can be most common around waterways. Mm. So it's actually, that's where we're mining these sands from. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and mostly, of course, in third world countries, mm -hmm. right, where, mm -hmm. where where you can get away with more and the media doesn't pay attention right, to these types right, of right. things. Um, and then you look at alloys. Um, well, I mean, same thing, like all commodities are going through the roof right now. But alloy tin, tin mm -hmm. is one of my, a tin or aluminum or steel. That's my favorite packaging. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, the reason I like it so much is because you can melt aluminum and, and most steels mm. down multiple times. Mm. They're very recyclable. So alloy is one of, you know, the most recyclable materials you can deal with, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I'm a huge fan of that. And, and yes, you got to mine it, right? Uh, and it comes out of the ground, mm -hmm. but we're not going to stop mining. We're going to keep mining for alloys. Mm -hmm. uh, but the point is, once you bring it out of the ground, you can melt it multiple times. a lot of right, times, right. multiple times, right? right? And, right, uh, right. Uh, you know, so that's good. And then when you're talking about paper and, and, and wood products, mm -hmm. well, you know, you know, you're cutting trees down <laughs> right, <laughs> to right, make right, those right. things. So, you know, that's where my boxes are. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, so I, I made a decision to, to use something that's harvesting trees, mm -hmm. which is an impact. Right. 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 Uh, but in favor of not leaving more microplastics mm -hmm. behind. Mm -hmm. It's right? the lesser of two um, evils. It is, in my opinion, and and uh, um, and that's really, uh, you know, let's face it, we can't, humans can't do any. Everything has an impact. Everything, Every, everything has an impact. Every single you thing, know? even you know, people saying that almond milk is is a lot better than um, than traditional milk because you're avoiding you know animal cruelty, but almond yeah. milk is not sustainable. And now the driving cost of that, it's <laughs> you can't do anything it's so, right. You're a hundred percent right, mm -hmm. and actually. Um, you know, because everything does have an impact mm -hmm. and, and, and nobody has time to track all of these things. 
Uh, but it's but the, the the baseline is to be concerned, and right. it's so funny you right. said that almond milk. My <laughs> wife my wife just switched us uh, to oatmeal to oat oh, right. milk <laughs> because of that. I was on the almond milk train <laughs> yeah. for quite a while. Right. I mean, there's a health and wellness perspective there too, right? And she she switched us to oat milk. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, what's going on with this oat uh-huh. milk? And she said that exact same thing. She said, because almond milk is destroying it's the world and we need to drink right. oatmeal right, milk. Right. But then, and then uh-huh. I said, okay. And I'm like, let's and peel I looked back. at the let's oatmeal peel back milk. The layers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so then I looked at the oatmeal milk <laughs> yeah. and I looked at the ingredients on the <laughs> side <laughs> and I got to tell you, I mean, I know we're, we're not here to talk about milk, yeah. but oatmeal milk, man, it's got like, it's like got vitamin B12 yeah. in it. It's got like, it's got like a, it's got more vitamins and minerals than any milk alternative I've seen. I compared it to the almond nice. and regular milk yeah, yeah. and I'm like, okay, because it doesn't taste as good as almond milk. So I'm like, mm, all right, I'm just going to try. <laughs> I'm just going to train myself to right, like this right, right. and be excited about all the minerals <laughs> in it. Um, but it's a journey. You know, it, it, this 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 conversation points to mm. kind of the key message I try to get out with sustainability. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you cannot beat yourself up mm-hmm. um, about the things you can't control right. right now. All you can do is commit mm. to saying to yourself i'm a sustainably driven or regeneratively mm-hmm. driven which is a new a new and kind of better and more robust term buzzword uh <laughs> but as long as but as long as it means something mm-hmm. to you that's what's important uh i'm on a journey mm-hmm. and every decision i make i'm going to do my best to make the most sustainable decision within mm-hmm. economic exactly. viability mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have to succeed you have to make money if 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 you're you know if your job if you actually care mm-hmm. then your number one job is to succeed and make money and mm-hmm. build wealth for your company and your vision and your endeavors so that you can be there mm-hmm. and be a big part of the solution by being you know having a profitable entity that that it that continues to make bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger buying decisions where you can vote with your dollar right Mm -hmm. and and uh you know that's how i view my job so as an example with my cannabis i had i i just i'm just doing a launch right now i'm unfortunately in some plastic child resistant Mm -hmm. bags Mm -hmm. right I'm going to get out of them mm-hmm. as quickly as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're looking at all kinds of other options, mm-hmm. but I just needed to do a bit of a launch here over this next few months. Cause I've got some, I had some amazing cannabis curing in mm-hmm. my vault that I have to get out. I have to generate revenues. So I had to make an, a short term decision that I'm, I'm not happy about, mm-hmm. but but I've got some great product. I need mm-hmm. to get that great mm-hmm. product in a consumer's hands. Mm-hmm. And then I'll use the revenues I generate from that great right. product to make my more responsible decisions and, push. and get yeah. rid of that package yeah. as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But meanwhile, I've got one of the only fully biodegradable products on the market. Mm-hmm. So at least mm-hmm. I've got that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. No, no, I hear you. It's you, you can't win in in every facet. And like even, you know, the the whole thing about child resistant packaging is hilarious because especially for dried cannabis, like even if a kid ate uh, a pound of dried cannabis it's not activated like it, it's it's not going to do anything i mean whatever we could argument argue that you know the the thca and cbda can do things but you know regardless com- compare this to a wine bottle that's just a twist off 
right? That mm-hmm. it's much, much more harmful. Or even, you know, look at these, these spritzers, these new beverages that are just, they just taste like juice. I even saw one, it was a, a Smirnoff. It was a, it was popsicle flavor. You know, the rockets, the three mm-hmm. colored. Yeah. It, it yeah. was a Smirnoff, you know, rocket flavored beverage, which tastes just like candy. And that's a lot more harmful than a kid eating, you know, getting to, um, dried cannabis and even adults can't even open those packages. It's like, yeah. I think there's levels, right? Uh, because because of course edibles are very dangerous, of course. right? Um, yeah. So 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 those need those need child resi- resistance on it. But but at the end of the day, uh, to, and to your point, um, the cannabis industry is far too regulated, mm. and the alcohol industry mm. is not nearly regulated enough. Mm. So so mm. there needs to be. Um, listen, if if the government doesn't cut red tape mm-hmm. for 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 our industry mm-hmm. then i want to see equal red tape in the alcohol industry right. and right. uh because it's 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 you know we are killing ourselves mm-hmm. as a society mm-hmm. daily mm-hmm. we're ruining marriages we're we're ruining lives mm-hmm. uh and we're promoting it you know mm-hmm. like like our government's number one two two of their number one revenue streams is gambling and alcohol <laughs> like come on <laughs> Right. And then they complain and then they complain about, you know, the health system and, Mm. and, and, uh, our hospitals are, you know, we don't have good enough health care. Well, Mm. well, you know, stop, stop, stop generating revenue off destroying your Mm. citizens' lives and then complaining about Mm. the burden they are on the health system. Right. Well, maybe, maybe there's a bit of math there. I'll even add another layer and look at the, the way prescription medicine and healthcare is formed. They're, they're not teaching preventative medicine. They're not saying, you know, that you should, you should eat well and exercise not promoting that they're just saying well you've got all these problems let me just medicate you um to kind of fix those we're not promoting healthy living that could actually reduce a lot of those core morbidities which which you know give you these diseases or you know we say mm-hmm. um you know take these opioids for a short term but then when they have a long-term addiction we go oh, how did that happen right and we're not looking at i mean when you say cannabis is the future of medicine i i wholly believe it if you look at you know, the, the value of psychedelic and, and cannabis derived medicines on the mental health crisis. It's, it's huge. Um, and you know, as, as, as one, one last thing that I wanted to touch on was, you know, you, you guys were some, some of the first to have bath bombs on the market. And we talked about mm-hmm. the, the men who take baths movement. Uh, yeah. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about that because, you know, men's mental health is, is, um, you know, a really close, um, uh, close to my heart topic. So what does, mm-hmm. you know, wh- what does the men who take baths movement mean? And like, how, how do you, what, what does mental health mean to you? And, and, and kind of how do you take care of yourself? Um, so I do my best. Yeah. Uh, I do my best to take care of myself. Um, uh, I have been taking baths, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so um, I mean, when, when we decided to make bath bombs, a focal point of our company mm-hmm. and it really is it is it is it is what is building our company mm-hmm. right now and and it's and it's the tip of our spear mm-hmm. into the, into the market uh, and it's immensely satisfying for this to be our lead product mm-hmm. in the market because mm-hmm. we truly are saying you know uh, hey hey there fellow canadian mm-hmm. Uh, take this into your home mm. and and please have a, have what is meant to be 
a wonderful experience mm. that is a spa-like experience <laughs> yeah. in the comfort of your own bathtub. Mm. And, and we hope you enjoy it. So we really, really are selling... Mm. Um, you know, relaxation and hopefully mm-hmm. something that leads to some wellness for that yeah, user. Yeah. Um, whereas in dry flower, uh, you know, hmm. everybody's highs are different right, and, right, and right. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to react differently sure. to the, to the, to it. But, but, you know, we know that, you know, for every unit we put out mm. into the market, we've just put 10,000 relax, relaxing mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. into the Alberta market or 10,000 yeah, in the yeah, BC yeah. market. Um, and, and the reviews, uh, we have been getting back have been exactly that, mm. you know, um, things, things that of course, uh, these are, these are references to mm-hmm. a post put up, put on our website, mm-hmm. not medical claims to clarify <laughs> health Canada, if you're listening, uh, but people have said they've had unbelievable, you know, best sleep they've had in, mm-hmm. in months and, uh, certain other users have talked about how it's helped them with their pain mm-hmm. or, or they've had arthritis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the manager of one store talk about the relief it's given for their psoriasis mm-hmm. as well. Cause you're soaking in a, in a cannabinoid infused bath, bath yeah. right? So you've got, you've got tea mm-hmm. and we do THC and yeah. CBD yeah. in ours. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're a balance mm-hmm. and I think that's important. Uh, and you know we recommend no less than 45 minutes to an hour sure. right so that alone without hmm. without without any any drugs in hmm. it just just the act of getting more men and women hmm. to commit to well i've invested a a, a reasonable hmm. amount into this experience right. And and now I've committed hmm. to it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go into that bathroom. I'm gonna light some candles. Yeah. I'm gonna drink some wine. I'm gonna be mindful. Yeah. Maybe hopefully you're not you know watching the news yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when, when you're in the tub because uh, that'll just ruin uh-huh. it. But uh, um, yeah, so it really is a, a, an experience that we're providing. Mm. And when it comes to men, um, one of the best. Um, comments or or Mm -hmm. bit of feedback i've received so far is this one store owner said that she has seven-year-old men Mm -hmm. buying these four and five at a time Mm -hmm. like that couldn't have made me you know seven-year-old men buying these things four or five at a time nothing can make me more happy Mm -hmm. because i i know that that is helping them Mm -hmm. with something right right Right, it's it's giving them this experience that they wouldn't otherwise have Mm -hmm. and that's why i got into this industry Mm -hmm. it was to help Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. Um, and feel good about mm-hmm. it. You know, it's very selfish, right? It's, it's, I, you sure. know, I like, you know, I, 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 I want to help people mm-hmm. and that's a, that's kind of a selfish driven, um, uh, mandate because mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. And, and no, <laughs> so, so this, I, I you know, it. if you can make money and help people, it's fantastic. That That's, that's you know? the end goal, I think. And, you know, as someone who, who's a, uh, a founder, an entrepreneur, I think, you know, pushing into a direction, you, you get a whole new drive and passion for work when you know you're helping other people and when you know you're pushing the needle towards um towards again mental health and towards wellness and i, I think you guys are doing a great job um and tanner i i, I want to thank you so much for for coming on and chatting there's a lot more that we had to talk about <laughs> um but uh regardless I, i'm gonna keep you on If you enjoyed the episode, if you want to hear more from Tanner, make sure to give him a shout. His Instagram handle is tannerstewart.life. Also, be sure to check out Stuart Farms Bath Bombs. If you're in 
New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, Alberta, or British Columbia, soon Ontario in June. You can pick up some of their bath bombs. Treat yourself. It's on me. It's not on me. I, I can't, I don't have a promo code, but tell the bud tender coffee and cannabis sent you. They won't know what it means. You won't get a, you won't get a discount, but it's on me in that sense. <laughs> uh, as always, if you want to hear more from me, give me a shout. It's Coffee Cannabis Podcast on Instagram or through my website, coffeecannabis.ca. New episodes every two weeks. I'll catch you next time and I'll see you then.